What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Today, I am sitting with Mason Allen. He is the Head of Growth and Chief Marketing Officer at TrueFace AI. Good conversation, getting into visual technology, how we do facial recognition. They got an interesting company and stuff they're doing is pretty exciting. Uh, We also just start talking about how to niche down and really how to use that to fuel your growth. So interesting conversation. It's about 25 minutes or so. I think you guys will enjoy it. But before we get into that, as always, this show is brought to you by Cave Social. Cave Social is a marketing agency based out of Los Angeles that can help your company grow. So if you're feeling stuck, you need some help, whether it's on social media or driving sales to that e-com store, head over to cavesocial.com, hit that contact us, book a free consultation. They'll be able to help you out. All right, everybody. That's it. Let's shake and bake and get into this one. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Mason Allen. He is the head of growth, CMO at TrueFace. Mason, welcome to the show. Jordan, thanks for having me today. Good to be here. Yeah, man. So walk me through it. What's your journey been like to date, you know, from entering the professional world and how you made your way to TrueFace? Yeah, I'm happy to hop in there with with my background. I'll start with where I'm from. I'm from Texas originally, went to Southern Methodist University in Dallas, graduated with degrees in economics and brand management. And I had a kind of curious upbringing in terms of the high school that I went to, uh, Plano West Senior High School, had an advertising class that was more akin to like graphic design. And something that really got to me was my eyes opening as to like the creative aspect of business. And I, I always thought that like advertising and marketing was kind of this creative, this creative place where you could get people to get something that they needed based on uh, using their motivations, but also thinking about it in, in, a, in a creative context. I was lucky when I went to SMU to, to go to the Timberland Advertising Institute, which really kind of got into the branding aspects of the world and understanding how to talk to people, who to talk to them, where to find them, and really cut into value propositions, reasons to believe, which would like lead to my career later on. And then I also really liked economics and found it as a good basis for business in general, in terms of like being able to understand how markets move and what creates people to want things and buy from a motivational aspect. Then out of school, I joined Goodby Silverstein and Partners, very good creative shop out of San Francisco. It was a very interesting time. We were the largest the company had ever been currently. And I learned from like some super smart people from around the world and really cut my teeth from an organizational perspective, running campaigns for big clients like Chevrolet, Sonic Drive-In, and Motorola. And Motorola is really my first foray into the technology space. And Google had just bought them. They were coming out with the first Moto Google phone. And that was a a hectic, but a fun time period. I learned a lot from a a strategy perspective in terms of like how to position this device in a very crowded marketplace. From Goodby, I went to Salt Branding, another smaller shop in San Francisco that is focused purely on strategy and as a brand consultancy, worked with a lot of small technology companies down in the valley, helping to like really build their brand and and what that meant from not only a logo, but also, you know, what you stand for, the value propositions that you're bringing to your customer, why these people should be believing 
what you're selling them and, and really finding the right demographics to speak to. So I was there for a couple of years, learning a lot. I really enjoying myself from a strategy background perspective. I was able to get to the fundamentals of building a brand. And, and I think, you know, I really enjoyed the, that process. Living in San Francisco for a long time, I have an inherent interest in, in wine and food. And so I'd visit a lot of smaller wineries up in the Bay, in Napa, Sonoma, Healdsburg, and along with a partner, founded an e-commerce company. So left Salt Branding after a while and founded an e-commerce company to help bridge the gap between really small wineries and customers who are looking for them. So started this company called Oaked, basically to, with a good colleague from school. And you know the process of the business was connecting really small wineries with people in Texas, Illinois, California, folks who didn't have the wine country in their backyards. And we grew that to be a quality app that, that people bought from on a continuous basis. And at the same time, I guess this was about a couple years later, my partner in the business was also running what would become Trueface. They had started as a technology company, a hardware company that was doing doorbells, the first facial recognition doorbell. And around 2017, they had switched directly to software. And around that time, you know, they were beginning to get traction and Oaked was, was churning along, but still, you know, not paying the bills. And so we talked about it and, you know, we enjoyed working together. And uh, his name is Sean Moore, he's the CEO of Trueface now. And he and Nizar Chaffney, the CTO, asked me to come on and help with really the, the brand aspect and, and the go-to-market strategy of this new purely software technology that was Trueface that was born just the previous summer. And so that kind of began my position, my foray into the high technology computer vision space. It's a shift for sure. Okay, getting out of food and beverage and any technology or food and beverage to now you're at Trueface where give the listeners the 30 seconds of like, okay, what Trueface is. Happy to. Trueface is a computer vision company. And what that means is we teach computers to see like humans, to interpret their surroundings, to understand the data, the imagery data that's being pushed through them. So that in applications and real world applications that comes into facial recognition, object recognition, being able to detect a bag that's left behind, really detect any type of motion or object with the right amount of data, a camera can detect and authenticate just about anything, now including temperature. It's something that because of COVID, we've had to retrain models to be able to not only detect humans with masks, but also be able to detect their temperature. Very cool. It's, it's something too, like as contactless becomes more and more prevalent, just as like a, a expected consumer experience. Now, if you're going to have to take my temperature before I go in a place, if I could do that with something that recognizes my face and my temperature, and I don't have to put a staff member mm -hmm. there to do that, said there's an obvious value proposition. So very, very cool. Walk me through, right? So you come to Trueface, you're, you're there. Walk me through kind of your priority set of like, I need to, okay, what's our brand? What do we stand for? I need to create the look, feel, and tie that back to the product. But then also talk to me about the growth and lead generation component. Where did you go for those first customers? It's interesting you bring that up because if anything, I think in a COVID time, it, COVID has caused sh fundamental shifts in many forms of life, including this call right now. 
And uh, I think it has shifted us into the, a more frictionless world, a place where now we're afraid to touch things. We, you know, we now work so independently of one another and connect via Zoom or Slack or Microsoft Teams that you know we're we're coming to a place where that contactless, frictionless aspect of our lives, whether it be in payments, getting into a building, uh, being authenticated at an airport become, I think, much more commonplace. And we were always going there, but I think that this has really caused uh, a complete shift into this. We were gonna get there, but this made it, but COVID and the coronavirus has made it come much more quickly. Oh, it squeezed, it squeezed uh, so five years that, into five months, for sure, right? Like, it's, it's been crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in, in so many realms, right, from people working remote, and that was always the case on, on, you know, in big cities on the West Coast and tech, being able to work remote, but now everybody can work remote. And, and those managers who are a little bit sticklers in the past who had to be, you know, didn't believe you were working unless, you know, you were sitting in your chair, now have all the proof that people can actually do their work and be at home because of the tools that we have now. So tying that back into Trueface and, and, and what that means for for us as, a, as, I guess I'll start with the brand. And when you begin a company and you spend Trueface out of the previous company was called Chewy, and you kind of, you know, you don't stand for anything at the moment. And a brand past just a logo is really your reputation. It's what people say in the room about you when you're not there. And so it, it's far more than just your logo and a tagline. It's the walk that you walk. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm just going to jump in for a sec, just to give like the listeners, like to highlight that more is if you think about any brand you love, if you think about Nike, it's literally a check mark. Right. But it's also way more than a check mark yeah. simultaneously. So that's that feeling. If you're sitting here as a business owner and you're listening to this podcast and you're going, what's my brand? I don't know. Your brand is how people feel about you when they see your logo, not the logo itself. So, yeah, sorry. I just wanted to interject with that before uh, letting you go. On. It's perception, right? It has nothing to do with just do it, but it's the feeling of of putting on a pair of Nikes and being able to accomplish anything to to be my own athlete. You know, that I think that's the draw there. And so for us in computer vision technology and especially in facial recognition is a hot topic. As you know, now it's in the news every day. And for us, I'd say the media loves to portray facial recognition as an overlord technology that the government can abuse and take advantage of, and China is always cited for, you know, keeping a tab on minorities in the West. And we go back to facial recognition, it's a tool. Computer vision is a tool, just like a screwdriver is a tool. And it has the ability to do good, it has the ability to do evil. And we want to stand and make our business standing for facial recognition and computer vision in general to be doing good for the world. And so what does that mean? Anybody can just say, yeah, we want our technology to be good, but we stand for the responsible use of this technology. And what that means is that we say no, you know, we say no to clients all the time that could grow our business, but 
we don't like their specific use case. We put out best practices to make sure that they're using it in the best way possible, that they, if they're using it for clients themselves, are doing it in the most responsible ways possible, whether that be from uh, making sure that you have the access to the people who are trying to do facial recognition. They're doing facial recognition for access control in terms of uh, that contactless aspect that we were talking about previously, where it's completely opt-in. These are the types of use cases that we're focused on with facial recognition specifically. And then to back it up even further, what is a facial recognition algorithm? A facial recognition algorithm is based on only on the data that's provided, only on the data that goes into the algorithm itself. So right now, what's in the news a lot is the, the bias aspect. And how can we trust facial recognition if it's unbiased, if there's all of these reports coming out that are saying facial recognition algorithm is unbiased? The algorithm itself is not biased. It's the data that's being pushed into it. So realizing that early on in 2017, we did things like partner with the World Food Program to grow our data past just what was publicly available. Publicly available data is purely, you know, it's 70, 80% white males, pictures on the internet. And so we knew that to have an equal measure, equal performance across all ethnicities and genders, we needed to collect data from around the world. We needed data from Africa, East Asia, India. We needed data from men and women to balance out our model. And you know, we're not perfectly there yet, but that's our goal is to get to completely, I guess, complete parity when it comes to facial recognition performance. And you know, we've taken tests that are publicly available, things like the Fairface Challenge that publicly measure uh, the performance across the board. And, and to be honest, we perform better on women than we do men with our general model. And that's something that, that isn't really talked about much. So I say all of this because it ladders back to our core tenet of responsible use of this technology. And so that's our way of saying, here's we are, we're going to be as transparent as we can be. And we're not going to hold any cards close to our chest. We're going to tell you exactly what we're doing our goals for where we want to be and how we're going to get there. And that's, I think, especially for a technology like facial recognition and computer vision that is so new to the world, that's, that's critical to growing the business. And, and also talk about lead generation. Like there's been so many of our clients that have come to us because they say, we've seen your website, we've seen the material that you put out as thought leaders in the space. And we're interested in you primarily because of your tenants of like responsible use. You know, this is why we feel comfortable going to you because we understand the power of this technology. That's huge. And like one of the things you did there, it's it's the preemptive product design in, in a way of saying, oh, what challenges are we going to, what is the media landscape? What is the consumer landscape? What are some of the issues that people might have? And then you can start to outline before you're even creating the product to say, okay, this is what we need to avoid. We need to have these safeguards in place to put our product in the best position to succeed, you know, to ensure that we're not furthering, you know, bias or that our data is good. And all of these safeguards, they're really protecting you from blind spots, right? And for the listeners, you can all do this in your own business. You think about, you know, okay, outside of your industry or what's happening at your store or what's happening at your company or your software and start to think about, what are those outside perceptions or risk factors and how can you be the change in your industry or stand for the change in your industry for the right thing? So I think that's such an important part 
of it's ubiquitous across all businesses. It's like, hey, you know, how how can you put yourself in a position to do the right thing before it's too late? You know, and you take on a contract or you do something, and it's like, uh oh, we signed a contract with some with I don't know a tobacco company, and you suddenly are like, oh wait a second, or whatever it may be, right? So I, yeah. I think that's so interesting. I mean, there's like, plenty of filters that, no, you're absolutely right. And, and there's a plenty of, of filters that you, we look at it from the perspective of, well, when we think about a deal or we think about a prospective partner and you, know, you go through the exercise of, well, if this was printed tomorrow in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, or I told my mom about it and you know, she was like, eh, it's probably not the greatest idea to go forward with that business. And, and to go back to, to your point about looking past just your own business, it, I think that what I was initially drawn to in the computer vision space and the computer vision industry and facial recognition, it being so nascent, it hasn't yet been defined and it's quite fluid at the moment. And so the opportunity to really define the industry is is what really really got me excited about working in this space and i think it helps you at least it helps me in knowing that it's not yet set in stone it's not a cpg it's not toothpaste that that like the grand value propositions or the understanding of it has yet to be decided and making sure that thinking outside of just our business towards the point of like, okay, true face can be known as responsible, but really what would be even better is if the entire industry was known for responsible computer vision, responsible use cases and ways that we know that this technology is being for good and that the entire population can benefit from these like exponential technologies that can really, you know, take away the mundane tasks after all. I mean, computer vision is a subset of artificial intelligence and it can completely change our society for the better in, in terms of like just not even to have that security guard there because your face is now your key into a building or onto a plane. It's making sure that the customer is, and not even the customer, but the end user in our case, because for us, you know, we are B2B, we sell to enterprises, we sell to businesses, but we're in a unique perspective because it's like B2B, but with a very heavy consideration on how C perceives that first B. And because that's what's important or else the businesses that we're selling to aren't going to be comfortable to buy. So we have to be, you know, even though the end user of our technology, uh, the person who is signing into an app and verifying themselves on their bank app or on the computer to make sure that they are who they say they are and to really inhibit fraud or to go into a building and have that building that I live in know that Mason is Mason and no one else. We have to be able to, even though that person isn't the end customer, they have to be comfortable with the technology. So our brand must speak to not only our customers, but you know, the industry at large and, and the population at large. And it's the same for our industry. Totally. And you're changing and you talk about making good. positioning the industry is for good. And when you're a first mover and, you know, for those of you listening who are in the valley and working on something that's, you know, a first mover in the space, you do have the chance to be this foundational block of how the entire industry will be perceived. And for things like you're saying with facial recognition, where if it can be positioned as a thing for good, getting on a plane, et cetera, opposed to, hey, my identities are going to be stolen and shipped to 
insert country in Eastern Europe, that's a powerful thing to be a part of, right? And any industry and any company, I think, can, especially if it's not already so hardly defined, like you're saying, like toothpaste, we started a toothpaste tomorrow, the value proposition is pretty set in stone. Unless there's somebody out there disrupting toothpaste, I don't want to discourage that. Um, (laughs) But no, bring it on. We all could use cleaner teeth. (laughs) Right? Segwaying a bit, right? I want to talk about really creating a marketing team and managing that from that CMO perspective, and how you instill or keep a growth mindset in your team? Are there any tactics or anything you do in particular that you found to be really useful? Yeah, you know, I think for us, it's a couple things. It's beginning with the problem. And for the longest time as a new technology company, and I think a lot of technology companies fall into this problem is I have this really good technology. Let me go see who needs it. Let me go see what problems I can solve. And as opposed to, there's, I think there's a certain shift that, that helps with growth and with helps with getting clients, especially as a new technology, is what problems are out there? Let me put myself in the mind of the customer and let me understand whether that be through research, through talking to people, understand their problems on a fundamental level, and then go back and make sure that my product, my solution addresses that problem specifically and does it on an exponential level. And I think when our team talks about growth and that growth mindset, that's what we're looking for. It's like how, A, what is that problem? How can we find it? And then is it repeatable? When we talk about certain issues that, that might come up, but are is that a use case that only 2% of our market would have. Well, let's go after the one that at 15 to 20 to 30% would. And then let's especially let's hone in on those use cases that are repeatable and can benefit from case studies from that social uh, social verification having endorsements in our business is massive. You know, uh, there's there's a great book by Jeffrey Moore called Crossing the Chasm that you know we talk about quite a bit. And a lot of that chasm crossing is between the innovators and the technology enthusiasts who really believe in working with your product to create a competitive advantage for themselves to the early majority. But the early majority is very much a pragmatist buyer who is much more risk averse and and must have the case studies, the endorsements, they must see the ROI before that they buy. And so when we talk about like, how do we break into that market? How do we grow our business in an exponential way? It's defining those things. It's defining return on investment. It's creating case studies. It's helping sales with like one pagers or reasons to believe that draw that customer who's a little bit hesitant and makes them more comfortable in saying, okay, I want, I want to test this. I want to put in a POC because I've seen how you've done it before. So tying that back into a growth mindset, it's about finding those repeatable use cases for us specifically, because computer vision is so vast, it's, it's broad. And it's very hard when you're getting asked from left, right, and center to do different things. Hey, I love your, I love your product, I love your technology, but I need it to do this. And that's the difference when we pull back and say, okay, if we do that, how spreadable is that? Can that be used again and again and again? And for us, it's really putting on the blinders and 
maybe that sounds counterintuitive to the uninitiated, but by putting on the blinders and going deep rather than broad and doing everything for what is essentially no one, we'd rather do one thing, at least initially do it very well and grow that way first. Makes sense, right? To go the whole inch wide, mile deep instead of the mile wide, inch deep into stuff. And we've talked about that before on this podcast about niching down and like you're saying, putting on the blinders and really solving a specific problem for your customers instead of trying to do everything and spreading too thin. And, and in the world of startups where, hey, there's X amount of money raised and we got X amount of time to get this going and we got competitors, yeah. it's that pressure is real. Totally. So I, I hear you. Mason, I appreciate you coming on today, man. Before I let you go, let people know where they can find out more about Trueface and connect with you online. Sure. Trueface, you can search us on Google like everybody does. I don't think www.trueface.ai would work for most people. Our SEO works pretty well. So we're at, uh, just search Trueface, you'll find us. And then you can find me on LinkedIn. Awesome. And I will put links to both Mason's LinkedIn and to Trueface's website on the show notes page. So you guys can head there and click that. Mason, thanks again for coming on. I appreciate it. Jordan, thanks for having me. It was great chatting with you. All right, everybody, that's it for the show. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I will catch you next episode.